0: The products discussed in this podcast are only available in the United States. Hello and welcome to Quarterly Updates, where our active portfolio managers share their thoughts on the markets as well as their funds. I'm John Cavolis and I'm an investment strategist here at Natexis. Today I'm joined by Eileen Riley, a co-portfolio manager of the Loomis Sales Global Allocation Fund. Eileen, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, John. So I think we get started um, here. And with the first quarter, we really saw a nice start to 2023's calendar year for global markets. Eileen, would you mind walking us through some of the top contributors to the global allocation portfolio?
1: Sure, John. If we start on the equity side of the portfolio, our um, most significant contributors to performance from the equity holdings were NVIDIA, Salesforce, and Airbnb. Uh, These were some of the largest detractors to our performance last calendar year. And so we saw an improved performance in these names specifically in the first quarter. For NVIDIA specifically, their 4Q earnings report was solid. Uh, They saw improvement in the gaming segment as they worked through some of their inventory issues. And also in the data center part of their business, uh, the quarter reported it wasn't without challenges, but we are still seeing strength in the U.S. hyperscalers. And demand for their newest um, H100 and A100 chips appear to be healthy, despite some of the restrictions that came in play last year on sales of these types of chips into China. Then on Salesforce specifically, uh, they announced a solid quarter and um, strong fiscal 24 guidance um, ahead of the targets that the company had actually announced at their investor day just a few months prior. And then, let third name there, Airbnb. Those shares performed well in the quarter, also, um, also following um, you know good quarterly earnings, good guidance, and this is a business that continues to execute well. Uh, they have positive top line and strong progression, also on their margins. Then, on the fixed income side of the portfolio, uh, positioning along the yield curve and our duration stance contributed positively to performance. Um, positioning in the U.S. dollar and euro pay markets contributed, and then within currency, notably the allocations to the euro and the British pound uh, were positive um, as these currencies strengthened in this time against the dollar.
0: Thank you, Eileen. It's great to see some of those equity names specifically that really struggled last year, um, really rebound and show the importance of being a long-term investor. Um, would you be able to walk through some of the detractors for the first quarter for the global allocation portfolio as well?
1: Absolutely. So, on the detractor side of the ledger, so to speak, within equities, I would highlight three holdings uh, for the quarter Zion's Bank, United Health Group, and Home Depot. Uh, Zion specifically was a significant underperformer in terms of the share price in the quarter as investors were concerned around the entire bank space, but in particular around some of the mid-sized regional banks' deposit outflows, the rising cost of the deposits also, which um, can put pressure on profitability. You know, these concerns were obviously exacerbated by um, the news that's been well covered around the failure of Silicon Valley Bank and uh, another regional bank that happened sort of mid-March, you know, following the deposit runs we saw there in those names specifically. For United Health Group, um, in terms of that stock's performance in the quarter, they gave back some of the gains in the first quarter um, following, you know, a period of long uh, um, outperformance. This is a name we've held for many years in the portfolio, and mm-hmm. it's one where, despite you know, talking about the short term in terms of the one-two performance, we think our investment thesis remains intact. And then that third name within equities that I'd highlight um, that struggled this quarter would be Home Depot, and that stock lagged. I. Primarily on concerns around the softening housing market due to the rising rate environment. Um, and you know we also saw some lower consumer confidence numbers. Uh, but again, mm-hmm. this is a holding that um, you know we continue to own and feel confident in. And then specifically on uh, the fixed income side, there was some security specific selections within uh, I would say the sectors of communications mm-hmm. and transportation that were challenging for performance. You know, within communication, um, specifically DISH Network uh, weighed on performance on the fixed income side, and that, you know, reflects some of the secular decline um, that the company is experiencing in their satellite video business. And then within transportation, I would highlight Southwest Airlines, which detracted from performance in the quarter, particularly around concerns around the the company's earnings and um, pre-tech margin declines in the, you know, fourth quarter that was reported um, in Q1.
0: So thank you, Eileen. That's a lot covering there. It's not surprising we saw some of the banking names be some of the weaker performers, especially going on uh, in the past first quarter. Um, Now that we've really covered uh, the performance drivers, let's turn it to potentially the current portfolio allocation. What does the current asset allocation look like in the portfolio? And were there any changes worth mentioning during the quarter that the team technically changed?
1: in this quarter specifically in q1 we made no changes to our target allocation at that level any changes you made in the portfolio were at um, the security selection level
0: thank you and were there any changes to the current geographic allocation of the fund Um, and has that changed over the past three months
1: yeah you know there hasn't been a significant change where we are now is driven by our bottom-up investment process and we're holding about 68 percent in u.s domiciled securities about 18% in Europe, 10% in EM, and then about 4% in developed Asia. And as I said, this isn't a significant change um, in the geographic exposures over the course of the quarter.
0: So when you talk about portfolio changes, um, did the team initiate any new positions during the quarter? And if so, would you mind providing some color to the listeners on any of the new names?
1: Absolutely. So, from a new name perspective in fixed income, we added um, to the new issue shares of Teva their 2029 and 2031 bonds. Um, Teva Pharmaceuticals is the leading global developer of generic, specialty, and biopharma medicines. Um, our credit view of Teva remains favorable following the announcement it reached an agreement in principle to settle its remaining opioid litigation. We think the company's overall credit trajectory also continues to exhibit upward momentum driven by solid free cash flow generation and um, a commitment to using cash to delever its balance sheet. And then in the first quarter on the equity side, we did not initiate any new positions.
0: Thank you, Eileen. And to fund that fixed income allocation, um, did the team have to sell any securities during the quarter?
1: Yeah, within fixed income, we reduced our allocation to T-Mobile U.S., and we also um, reduced our allocation to Owl Rock Capital Corp. Um, and these sales were done in order to build liquidity. And then on the equity side, we sold one name, um, that's specifically Sherwin-Williams after many years of ownership. And uh, despite you know the continued benefit we see from pricing actions that the company took in last year, we still think volume pressures and some of the cost inflation in the sg line are going to create significant margin headwinds for the business. And in our view, valuation wasn't supportive of the challenging operating environment. So we eliminated that position and we redeployed the capital into some of our existing holdings where we saw uh, more significant opportunity.
0: Thank you. There's so many interesting um, portfolio nuggets, but I kind of want to turn It towards a more macro lens. And so in 2023, um, the market narrative has been jumping between a hard landing, a soft landing, a no landing. And these are terms that we see kind of on the news every day. How is the team viewing the likelihood of each of these events? And can you comment on how this may be reflected in the portfolio today based on positioning?
1: Yeah, so for our firm view, our highest probability scenario on, um, you know, so forward outcomes is that we're anticipating the U.S. and other developed economies will enter a downturn in the latter half of 2023, Um, you know, to sort of how are we viewing those other scenarios part of your question. Our second most likely scenario is that of a more resilient U.S. economy, and we think that's going to be characterized by more stubborn inflation, strong employment, um, and a need for continued hikes from the U.S. Fed and somewhat surprisingly stable growth. And then that third scenario, which we think is the least likely scenario from our view, is um, that one where we see disinflation or a soft landing, um, where we see contained inflation, slow global growth, and a cooling labor market. Um, And then back to that base case view um, and the highest probability scenario from our view of a downturn in the latter half of this year, the exact timing of that downturn, we think, is difficult to predict. Um, you know, given the lagged effects of tighter monetary policy that we're seeing flow through right now. Uh, you know, financial distress, the rush for liquidity is typically a hallmark of a downturn, and we saw some of that in the recent banking turmoil within the U.S. Uh, but that's also showing some signs of stabilizing. And you know, all that said, we haven't yet seen a collapse in corporate profits or higher unemployment that we think would come with a downturn.
0: It's very interesting. And I think it really pairs well um, when we think about where are we looking at opportunities for the rest of 2023? If we're thinking kind of that base case is potentially recessionary type period, is the team, where are they looking within equities that you might be excited about or following closely? And how are you positioned within fixed income or seeing opportunities there that might be interesting, um, kind of pairing with your base case?
1: Yeah, so across this portfolio, we always are focused on security selection. And I think that's going to be an important part of thinking about where we're finding our opportunities. You know, within equities, we've been finding opportunities within some technology names. Um, some of that's semiconductor manufacturing and equipment, some of that's within software. And then You know, certainly within some of the consulting companies as well. You know, we continue to select exposure to consumer names, um, largely ones we believe that are uniquely positioned. You know, companies with strong brands, direct-to-consumer opportunities, and then physical retailers where we see a differentiated value offering. And, you know, lastly, within consumers, some e-commerce exposure to companies that we think are going to continue to be able to capture some of that growing demand. Within healthcare, on the equity side, we have focused our exposure towards some of the higher growth areas of the industry and tried to stay away from areas that we think are exposed to some of the reimbursement risk. And then within financials, we have a fairly um, diverse group of businesses, um, you know, leading market positions primarily across the board in both retail, commercial banking, payment processing, asset management, and investment banking. And if we look at the fixed income side of the portfolio, where we, how are we positioned uh, in non-U.S. fixed income? We do remain underweight duration in the euro, um, British pound, and the Japanese yen pay markets. We'll all have to hike rates further in order to cool inflation. And given our base case of a recession, uh, we view spreads as generally too tight. Uh, we have found pockets of opportunity with some of the wider spreads in the bank industry-driven volatility. However, we've largely taken those profits on some of the spread recovery. We may remain low in risk. And as valuations adjust or, you know, hard landing risks dissipate, we're going to look for opportunities to add risk in interest rates, currency, and credit. And then lastly, to round out this uh, positioning, I'll just touch on some of the U.S. fixed income positioning. And there we haven't had uh, major shifts in our portfolio positioning. We extended our duration during the quarter to move to a more neutral positioning versus the bench. Um, you know, bond structures appear relatively attractive, and we believe the favorable yield increases the potential value opportunity in some of these bonds. Um, we're still expecting default and losses to remain low, um, while slowly increasing to more normal levels associated with a late cycle environment that we're in.
0: It sounds like the team has quite a few opportunities out there in this late cycle, and I think this is a great opportunity um, to build some of those longer term positions that the team likes to do. Um, I have a couple questions left, but uh, these are going to be a little bit more rapid fire. So I want to make sure um, for the listeners there. So what would be kind of the base case for GDP growth outlook that we're, we're seeing?
1: So under our base case, um, as I said earlier, um, you know, Loomis is forecasting a uh, recession in the second half of 23. We think we're going to see strong Q1 GDP, um, weakening in Q2, and then that um, recession in the second half. So, corporate profit growth has been under pressure globally. Uh, as we know, profits contracted year over year for US large caps in the fourth quarter, and we anticipate another contraction in the first quarter. Um, as we move through earnings season now, um, you know, we do think decline profits could lead to more layoff announcements than we've already seen as companies are looking to reduce costs and get a handle on margins. And if we get a combination of spiking unemployment and weaker profit gl- growth, we would expect that, you know, that would weigh in the economy this year, um, you know, particularly with some of the strains we've seen already in the financial system. And that gets us to that firm for- forecast where most likely or the highest probability outcome is a recession, you know, in the back half of this year.
0: What would you view as kind of the base case for interest rates? And how would you forecast the U.S. 10-year going forward?
1: Yeah, so after the Fed hikes we've seen um, already this year, we're expecting a pause in May as a firm. and um, But we also think the Fed will be likely to be slow to pivot toward rate cuts. Um, you know, barring a sharp slowdown in the economy, um, because we still think the core PC inflation is going to um, remain well above its target for a while. Uh, you know, we think other major world central banks, maybe with the notable exception of Japan, are also going to continue to tighten um, at this point. And looking ahead, we think the potential for stubbornly high inflation, you know, and or uh, potentially both um the stake and Fed policy are the key risks for the market.
0: Uh, two more here. What are we thinking about the outlook on the U.S. dollar going forward?
1: Yeah, so right now, um, we're overweight the U.S. dollar and we're expecting um, that sticky inflation and rising recession concerns are going to you know, benefit that USD strength in the near term. While we think the outlook has improved in recent months, we still have trouble forming an argument for immediate dollar weakness you know, given its potential to strengthen in that downturn scenario. Uh, you know, If a downturn becomes a reality, we'd expect some of those, you know, safe haven flows to happen and contribute to that continue, continued USD strength. And in disinflationary environment, we'd expect to have a less favorable outlook
0: on the dollar. Lastly, we'd like to kind of wrap up here with what would be kind of your ongoing thoughts on inflation going forward?
1: Yeah, we think we're past that peak inflation in major economies like the U.S. and Europe. However, you know, the question remains around what's the speed of deceleration from here? And our highest probability scenario calls for inflation to fall via demand destruction. But we also right now are in a position where we're acknowledging these risks of stickier inflation, you know, given China's reopening, the potential right now, what we see so far is the labor markets remain tight. Uh, U.S. core inflation is still high, although less high as we know. And then in the euro area, um, headline inflation fell sharply in March, given that easing of energy prices. Um, On the other hand, there's strong momentum in the service prices, which has kept that underlying inflation elevated. Um, In the UK, we continue to hold the view that the inflation premium is underpriced across the curve, and we think the Bank of England will need to remain hawkish.
0: Well, we've covered quite a bit today, Eileen, going through kind of portfolio positioning, what's driven and hurt the strategy. Um, as well as a macro update. Do you have any other final comments or uh, words of wisdom you'd like to leave the listeners with today?
1: No, I think I think that's all for today. Um, thanks for all the questions, John, and happy to have this discussion with you.
0: Thank you, Eileen, and for all of your insights today. Um, we appreciate you taking the time and look forward to talking to you again next quarter.
2: Thank you important information standard performance as a percentage for loomis sales global allocation fund class y shares as of march 31st 2023 three months 7.02 year to date 7.02 one year minus 7.90 three years 8.36 five years 5.20 10 years 6.99 30 day sec yield Y subsidized equals 1.88% 30-day SEC yield. Y unsubsidized equals 1.88% performance data listed represents past performance and is no guarantee of, and not necessarily indicative of, future results. Total return and value will vary, and you may have a gain or loss when shares are sold. Current performance may be lower or higher than quoted. For most recent month-end performance, visit iam.natixis.com. Performance for other share classes will be greater or less than shown based on differences in fees and sales charges. Performance for periods less than one year is cumulative, not annualized. Returns reflect changes in share price and reinvestment of dividends and capital gains, if any. Top 10 Holdings for the Loomis Sales Global Allocation Fund as of March 31, 2023. ASML Holding NV, 3.22% of Portfolio. Amazon.com, Inc. 3.10% of Portfolio. Lynn PLC. 2.99% of Portfolio. LVMH Moet Hennessy Louis Vuitton SE. 2.90% of Portfolio. Alphabet, Inc. Class A, 2.89% of portfolio, S&P Global, Inc., 2.82% of portfolio, Airbnb, Inc., Class A, 2.78% of Portfolio, Salesforce, Inc., 2.76% of Portfolio, MasterCard, Inc., Class A, 2.75% of Portfolio, Accenture PLC Class A, 2.62% of Portfolio, Gross and Net Expense Ratios for Class Y of the Fund are 0.89% and 0.89%, respectively. As of the most recent prospectus, the investment advisor has contractually agreed to waive fees and or reimburse expenses, with certain exceptions once the expense cap of the fund has been exceeded. This arrangement is set to expire on January 30. 1st 2024 when an expense cap has not been exceeded the gross and net expense ratios and or yields may be the same s p 500 index is a widely recognized measure of u.s stock market performance it is an unmanaged index of 500 common stocks chosen for market size liquidity and industry group representation among other factors it also measures the performance of the large cap segment of the u.s equities market ebitda or earnings before interest Taxes, depreciation, and amortization is a measure of a company's overall financial performance and is used as an alternative to net income in some circumstances. The European Central Bank (ECB) is the central bank responsible for monetary policy of those European Union-EU member countries which have adopted the euro currency. This region is known as the Eurozone and currently comprises 19 members. The Bank of England Bo, is the central bank for the United Kingdom. Equity securities are volatile and can decline significantly in response to broad market and economic conditions. Fixed income securities may carry one or more of the following risks credit, interest rate, as interest rates rise bond prices usually fall, inflation and liquidity, foreign and emerging market securities may be subject to greater political, economic, environmental, credit, currency and information risks, foreign securities may be subject to higher volatility than U.S. securities, due to varying degrees of regulation and limited liquidity, these risks are magnified in emerging markets, below investment grade fixed income securities may be subject to greater risks, including the risk of default, than other fixed-income securities. Currency exchange rates between the U.S. dollar and foreign currencies may cause the value of the fund's investments to decline. Investment grade refers to bonds rated BBBBA or higher. Ratings are determined by third-party rating agencies such as Standard & Poor's or Moody's and are an indication of a bond's credit quality. Gross domestic product, GDP, is the total monetary or market value of all the finished goods and services produced within a country's borders in a specific time period. As a broad measure of overall domestic production, it functions as a comprehensive scorecard of a given country's economic health. Developed markets are countries with a high standard of living, a well-run stock market, and, mostly, free trade. Developed markets include most of Western Europe, Australia, Canada, Hong Kong, Japan, New Zealand, Singapore, and the United States. Emerging markets, EM, refers to financial markets of developing countries that are usually small and have short operating histories. Emerging market securities may be subject to greater political, economic, environmental, credit and information risks than U.S. or other developed market securities. Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit iam.netixis.com or call 800 0 862. 4863 for a prospectus or a summary prospectus containing this and other information read it carefully this material is provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice there can be no assurance that developments will transpire as forecasted actual results may vary the views and opinions expressed are as of april 19th. 2023 and may change based on market and other conditions. Natixis Distribution, LLC is a limited purpose broker, dealer and the distributor of various registered investment companies for which advisory services are provided by affiliates of Natixis Investment Managers. Natixis Distribution, LLC, Fund Distributor, Member FINRA, SIPC, and Loomis, Sales & Company, LLC are affiliated. Ad Tracks, 2100702, 211 Expiration Date, July 31, 2023, POD 117, March, 2023.